From the Center for the Advancement of the Steady State Economy, this is The Steady Stater, a podcast dedicated to discussing limits to growth in the steady state economy. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Brian Check, and our topic today will be music to the ears of steady staters. Now, it won't be like a beer barrel polka for party goers. I mean, it will be precise, disciplined music to the discerning ears of steady staters. Because we'll be talking about the Cassie position on economic growth, which sets the record straight about the fundamental conflict between economic growth and four huge goals. Number one, environmental protection. Two, economic sustainability. Three, national security. And four, international stability. The Cassie position, available for signing online at DeadyState.org, is also the number one political tool for expressing Steady State support. With over 15,000 signatures now, the Cassie position is a forewarning for politicians and political parties. They should start thinking twice before blathering out the old win-win rhetoric that there is no conflict between growing the economy and protecting the environment. They need to get off the green growth bandwagon and start getting serious about a steady state economy or degrowth toward the steady state economy before it's too late. Now, no one knows the Cassie position better than Cassie staff. So I brought in our communications specialist, Rick Tibbetts, to participate. Rick, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here as always. Yes, I should clarify that Rick is a big part of every show. In fact, as part of his communications work, he's our podcast producer. And Rick, you of all people recognize the importance of positions and petitions. Well, that's right. In the communications profession, and especially in political communications, the position or petition is one of the key methods for building public awareness and for gaining political support. That explains the popularity of places like Change.org, for example, and its predecessor, iPetitions. Yep, and I suppose we should clarify the difference between a petition and a position. A petition is devoted to a particular political campaign or ballot initiative while a position is a broader statement of findings and propositions that remains relevant for a long term. Yeah, and as I recall the story, the Cassie position, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Cassie position originated as an effort within the wildlife profession to raise awareness about limits to growth, right? That's right, Rick. I actually drafted the position in 1998 And I was an active member of the Wildlife Society, so I made a push to get them to adopt a position. Now, didn't you get some help from Herman Daly on that? You know, that's right, in more ways than one. I knew I'd need some bigger guns to get the Wildlife Society on board. So I reached out to Herman, and we co-authored an article called Economic Growth as the Limiting Factor for Wildlife Conservation. We included the draft position as an inset, And eventually, the Wildlife Society passed it, setting off a string of similar success with the Society for Conservation Biology, American Society of Mammologists, and a few others taking a unified position on economic growth. And then when you established Cassie, didn't you sort of generalize the position and make it available for signing by the general public? 
kind of, but to be precise, the Cassie position was the first one out the door in 2003, and then the scientific professional societies jumped in with their own positions, which basically mirrored the Cassie position. Well, all right, Brian, by now the audience might be wondering what the position actually says. So how about I read the clauses one at a time? There's about 16 of them, and you can let us know if there's anything between the lines. Perfect. The Cassie position has seven whereas clauses, followed by nine therefore clauses. So here we go with clause one. Whereas economic growth, as defined in standard economics textbooks, is an increase in the production and consumption of goods and services... Yeah, you almost have to start by defining the key phrase. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Now, clause number two. Whereas economic growth occurs when there is an increase in the multiplied product of population and per capita consumption. That's right. When you multiply population times per capita consumption, you have the size of the economy. That's, that's national income accounting in a nutshell. On to Clause 3, we have the global economy grows as an integrated whole consisting of agricultural, extractive, manufacturing, and services sectors that require physical inputs and produce wastes. Yes, this one is huge, and there's a lot between those lines. You know, Rick, in ecology we have what we call trophic levels with plants at the base, primary consumers that eat the plants, and secondary consumers that eat the primary consumers. It's simple commonsensical, and profound. I always felt these trophic principles were essential for understanding the process of economic growth. It starts with the agricultural and extractive sectors at the base. It's only once you're running a surplus at the base that the hands are freed for the division of labor into the manufacturing and service sectors. So you mean... If you want the economy to grow, there must be growth at the agricultural and extractive base, where the environmental impact is really obvious. You got it. Okay, Uh, now number four. Economic growth is often and generally indicated by increasing real gross domestic product, or GDP, or real gross national product, GNP. Well, Rick, you know, a lot of the discussion about economic growth in the media and in politics isn't really with the phrase economic growth. It's usually GDP this or GDP that. So we just wanted to make sure folks were connecting the dots from GDP to the size of the economy. Number five, economic growth has been a primary perennial goal of many societies and most governments. Yeah, we had to include this one because we encountered plenty of people with the opinion, well, sure, growth is the problem, but it just happens. There's nothing we can really do about it. So we wanted to clarify that GDP growth in most countries is a formal policy goal with numerous policy tools. These can be changed. Number six, based upon established principles of physics and ecology, there is a limit to economic growth. Yes, and the most relevant principles of physics are the laws of thermodynamics. Let me lay these out in the layest of terms, if you will. The first law is that you can't get something from nothing. And the second law is that you can never become 100% efficient in the production process. In other words, pollution will be a byproduct. The primary principles of ecology include the very concept of carrying capacity, the principle of competitive exclusion, 
which explains the conflict between GDP growth and biodiversity conservation, and those trophic principles I mentioned a minute ago. Number seven, there is increasing evidence that global economic growth is having negative effects on long-term ecological and economic welfare. Yeah, that kind of evidence comes out every week in our podcast as well as our blog, The Steady State Herald. So I don't, I don't think we need to elaborate much here. I guess the basic laundry list would include biodiversity loss, global heating and sea level rise, pollution, noise, congestion, stress, supply shock, and wars. And I'd say that's it for the whereas clauses. So now let's move on to the therefore clauses. But first, we should probably take a short non-commercial break with you, Rick Tibbetts. Hi there. We hope you're enjoying the show. Here at Cassie, we are committed to taking the road less traveled and exposing the harms of economic growth. We unapologetically highlight the fundamental conflict between economic growth and environmental protection. The Cassie position sets the record straight on this conflict and calls for a steady state economy as a desirable alternative to economic growth. Some of the brightest scientists, economists, and sustainability thinkers in the world have signed it, and numerous forward-thinking organizations have endorsed it. We invite you to join their ranks and take a stand with us for a smarter, fully sustainable economy. Just go to steadystate.org and scroll down on the homepage until you see a big blue button that says sign the position. You can't miss it. Now, back to the show. All right, then, Rick. So next, we have nine therefore clauses. That's right, we do. And clause number one is, there is a fundamental conflict between economic growth and environmental protection. For example, biodiversity conservation, clean air and water, atmospheric stability. Sure. Due to the tremendous breadth of the human niche, the human economy grows at the competitive exclusion of non-human species in the aggregate. And when it comes to climate change, just ask the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, what the key variable is for greenhouse gas emissions. They've been telling us for decades, it's GDP. Two, there is a fundamental conflict between economic growth and ecological services underpinning the human economy. For example, pollination, decomposition, climate regulation. Well, the point here is to simply connect the dots from environmental protection to economic sustainability. If your environment is falling apart, your economy is doomed. We have to remember that agricultural and extractive base that all the rest relies upon. Okay, number three. Technological progress has had many positive and negative ecological and economic effects and may not be depended upon to reconcile the conflict between economic growth and long-term ecological and economic welfare. You know what, Rick? This is the one clause that bugs me a little bit. See, technological progress is the most complicated issue we deal with when we face up to the true believers in perpetual growth. They can so easily say, don't worry about it. We can always overcome limits to growth with innovation and technology. I never bought into this argument because it reeks of nonsense, yet it's not easy to find a rock-solid response to it either. Well, here it is. Technological progress comes from research and development, which is financed through economic surplus, the maintenance of which ultimately depends upon economies of scale. In other words, the profits derived from GDP growth 
based upon current levels of technology. Frankly, it's a long systematic story, which I've written about in peer-reviewed journals as well as my book, Supply Shock. But there's just no way to squeeze this story into a concise position on economic growth. So we left it as you read it. Technological progress has had many positive and negative ecological and economic effects and may not be depended on to reconcile the conflict between economic growth and long-term ecological and economic welfare. It's easily the understatement of our 16 clauses. Rick, I think we'll need an episode purely on the issue of technological progress. Sounds good. Now here's therefore clause number four. Economic growth as gauged by increasing GDP is an increasingly dangerous and anachronistic goal, especially in wealthy nations with widespread affluence. Well, yes, with GDP causing all the problems I mentioned earlier, it's a goal for the rearview mirror. And the wealthier countries should have gotten off the growth path while they were way ahead. Now some degrowth is required, too. On to number five, a steady-state economy, that is, an economy with a relatively stable, mildly fluctuating product of population and per capita consumption, is a viable alternative to a growing economy and has become a more appropriate goal in large, wealthy economies. Absolutely. In the 21st century, it's up to the USA and other wealthy nations who can afford it to take the lead towards steady statesmanship. Six. The long-run sustainability of a steady-state economy requires its establishment at a size small enough, or a period of degrowth to a small enough size, to fit within its ecological capacity. Yep, straight out of ecology, straight out of common sense, too. If you're gaining weight, you better stop and stabilize. If you're already overweight, you have to lose some weight first, in order to get back down to a sustainable and healthy level. A steady-state economy does not preclude economic development, a dynamic, qualitative process in which different technologies may be employed and the relative prominence of economic sectors may evolve. Yes, of course. Steady-staters aren't Luddites, pessimists, or, or even settlers for the status quo. We believe in improvement without GDP growth. Upon establishing a steady-state economy, it would be advisable for wealthy nations to assist other nations in moving from the goal of economic growth to the goal of a steady-state economy, beginning with those nations currently enjoying high levels of per capita consumption. This clause and the next one are all about economic justice, fairness, and political viability from an international perspective. And finally, number nine, for many nations with widespread poverty, increasing per capita consumption or alternatively, more equitable distributions of wealth remains an appropriate goal. We can't blame poverty-stricken nations for seeking economic growth. We'd seek it too. The fact that we still have widespread poverty in some countries means all the more that the rich countries need to start moving toward a steady state economy now leaving whatever ecological slack there may yet be for the poor countries to achieve some, some sustainable levels of consumption. Well, you know, it all makes perfect sense to me. Now, we just have to make it happen. Yep, it's as simple as that. Of course, the complexity builds up fast when we start developing strategies to get to a steady state economy. But I really believe it's doable. And next week, I think we should follow up on this with some discussion of the values and uses of the Cassie position. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. 
Well, folks, that about wraps her up. We've been discussing the Cassie position on economic growth, the number one political tool for expressing steady state support. If you're not already a signatory, why not go to www.steadystate.org right now and sign it? You'll be joining numerous dignitaries in the fields of ecology, economics, and politics, including international diplomacy. Take a position. It's never been more important. I'm Brian Check, and you've been listening to the Steady Stater Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>